morning, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about wish babies, um, mechanics, ripples, ripple management, consequences of your world building, and how to write an AU. We're going to plot some where it makes sense and that doesn't give you crazy ass ripples that you don't even you need to look at them, right? Because Last night we were discussing this off podcast talking about wish babies. And one of the things that came up was what if a teenager wishes for a baby? Now, obviously Oops. you'd want to bake it in that that couldn't happen. Right. I like the idea that it's, it's not the, we, we talked last night about it could be, you have only the only way to have a baby is to wish for them, which is sort of the implication from with a crown of stars is that the only way to have a baby is a wish baby because that whole, that one line, that whole, I know where babies come from. Right. Um, uh, it implies that the only way to get a baby is, is to wish for them. But I think you have a little bit more, which I love that concept, but I think you have a little bit more flexibility in um, making it, less plausible for people to get a hold of a baby in weird circumstances um, if you make it so that some people are born physically and some people have wish baby. Um, did they have biological babies too? Huh. I don't remember that. Oh, okay. What I would say is that if in writing a verse like that, I would want to make biological babies a, a thing as well. Um, because the, the inclination when you're, when you're writing something like a wish baby is that these, these babies would be perfect. Um, that they would be a gift, a perfect gift. Um, and I think that that implication is ugly. I, don't, I it's just, it makes me, it gives me anxiety. I mean, you know, they're, they're perfect in the sense that they're not going to have anything f- whatever magic creates the child is not going to create a child that has, you know, an obvious deformity or um, that's one of the reasons we talked about with Christopher wouldn't, wouldn't have had cerebral palsy if he'd been a wish baby. Um, so right. yeah. So um, in that, that sense, you know, but if, if the wish magic still, um, it wouldn't necessarily mean that that, um, child is not going to be susceptible to disease as they grow i mean it doesn't i mean i wouldn't write it such that they are guaranteed a lifetime of like health perfection or anything like that right because some people would right because i mean like i have like a a disease that is an acquired genetic problem right so it's an acquired genetic mutation not a not a not something i was born with so um you know things like that could still happen the kid could still be susceptible to allergies potentially as they get older depending upon what they're so i mean you could write somebody could write something that to me would feel borderline dystopian in a way with like wish babies are superior because they never get sick and they have no health issues but i wouldn't choose to write it that way personally um right yeah exactly erita you're kind of going towards the towards Gattaca a little bit and I wouldn't I would want to write that I would want to write more of a um it can still go wrong because you know environment plays a factor kid you know they had that um um episode of something where they were building schools over the toxic waste um was that the closer that was the that was numbers actually numbers okay it was numbers, and they found, um, and um, although they had those all those cancer clusters from the kids, the school board member had been 
bribed to look the other way so they could bury toxic waste at the school build sites. Um, and so they had the cancer clusters at all those schools and Charlie found them. And Alan consulted with uh, figuring out what was going on with, and finding those barrels. Anyway, um, so you put one of these kids at, at a site, you know, a place where it toxic waste, they're still going to get, you know, be as susceptible to cancers. Any other kid exposed to that kind of thing. Um, so that's the way I would choose to write is they could still have acquired problems. Um, they're just not going to be born with those issues because, you know, magic puts them together or whatever. But when we get there, I did have another idea about witch babies. So, Okay. I love the idea that it takes more than just love and desire, that it takes trust and, um, like maybe like maybe a de- like like the desire to have the kid but also like a desire to make a family and to have that trust and you know in your epic love too that that makes a wish I'd be really special mm-hmm. like a cosmic act of love yeah i would absolutely under no circumstances write a story where somebody else could wish a baby on another person cuz that is dubious consent yeah, at that's, best. At best. <clears throat> because what if you wish a baby on somebody who literally just doesn't want one, no matter what they say in public? Some people are militantly child-free in their brain, but they don't actually verbally say it. Yeah, you know, I like would that not... girl at work goes, oh, you know, I would love to have kids one day. And on the inside, she's thinking, I hate children. I never want to have one. <laughs> but a lot of young women aren't comfortable saying they don't want kids because they'll get grief. Yeah, it's gross. So no, maybe I'll write that with maybe where they have twins. Two little babies just pop right up in there. <laughs> exactly. Listen, look at the dark. Can't imagine myself. your mother. Imagine your mother-in-law could wish for you to have a baby when she wants to be a grandmother. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Gross. Yeah, I would never write a universe where someone else could wish for you to have a baby because because that's horrifying. But maybe you could have like a a wishing ceremony where if you and your partner really want to have a baby and you can't do it naturally for whatever reason that may be, whether it's like fertility problems or you're same sex and same sex couples can't have kids in this world and they invite all their family and loved ones and friends to come together with them to help them wish for a baby. and But oh, they're not sweet. the people who are there to support. And so, and so they have this baby wishing ceremony. That's really sweet. Yeah, but it's not like the people who are observing actually have the ability to. It's more like just putting good vibes out there. Well, but it could have it could have a an impact in the sense that if the two people who want the child are both sincere in their wish, and the people who are coming with them are showing a sincere extended family who support them and support the child, that could have an impact on the magic, right? This child is going to yeah. be well loved, very much wanted. Yeah. So that that would be beautiful. There was that fic where Chris wished a baby on he wished to have a family and he wanted a little sister and he wanted his dad and Buck to be together and a wish fairy gave them a baby. <laughs> it was very but Chris sweet. Was a little it was very sweet but it it wasn't like there weren't it, it wasn't like wish babies were a thing really is it Chris wanted all these things and it came together in that the, the, the fairy decided to, to, to the way to do that was to give Buck and Eddie a baby. <laughs> Chris wanted a little sister. 
I mean, I found I found that story very sweet. I would never write a story where someone else could wish a baby on somebody. That, that, no. that's, that's sometimes the boundary between reader and and writer. But there. it also wasn't malevolent. Mm. Malevolent. It was malevolent. It isn't coming out of my mouth. My tongue tied today. My tongue's just lazy right now. Um, and no matter how much physical therapy I've had on my tongue, like not physical therapy, but speech therapy, I've had physical therapy on my knee. But um, sometimes my tongue just does not do what I want it to do. Anyways, off topic. <laughs> that story with Christopher wishing for a family and um, a sister was absolutely charming. Yeah, it was. It was cute. I honestly, and this is just me saying this, Ellie, I honestly feel like if Shannon came across Buck 1.0, if you want to do that whole software update thing, she'd definitely hit it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a Buck Eddie Shannon story where when Buck, when Eddie goes to introduce Shannon to Buck, Shannon and Buck are kind of like, oh, we've met. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I didn't know she was married. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me you're married? Um, so my idea of the variant on the wish baby thing, which just popped into my head while we were talking. Um, what if in addition to wish babies, or it could be even, even in a separate universe, it could be the only type of wish baby is, is um, almost sort of like magical child, um, like magical, not it's child adoption kind of thing. When a child is unwanted, magic is looking for somebody who wants a baby who um, is the right fit. And when the right fit is found, the child just disappears from where they were. Maybe some kind of evidence is left and the child reappears with their new parent. There would have to be some really strict laws about that. Yeah, I mean, there'd have to be evidence. Well, yeah, I mean, if this is if this is the way it's always been, right? And, like, sometimes there isn't a good fit, and so that's why you still have, like, CPS and stuff. And but that's I would how that Evan Buckley gets raised by Olivia Benson. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be that, that Buck was ultimately raised by somebody else is because um, he wasn't wanted, and he was miserable. Maybe after Maddie left for college, maybe, you know... Um, he disappeared right after she left for college. Um, That'd break her heart. It would, but it would be pretty probably furious at her parents. It's like, well, he wouldn't, that magic doesn't take children who are wanted and loved. So, you know. <laughs> I have not read that, AJ. I'm interested in reading. I, you know, but I do want to ask one question. A doesn't get rough with Buck because he comes home and finds him with Shannon, right? Because that would put me off. But um, <clears throat> but anyway, like the idea of wish babies being like unwanted children. Yeah, it could be interesting because then it could be a situation of where all of a sudden nobody realizes that Buck is in a position where he's um, magically Willow suitable. ever the thick ninja. Wow, Willow. That he's magically suitable to be a parent now and that he has the desire and that the child who's the right fit for him um, just one day suddenly appears. And everybody's like, wait a minute. Magic, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're ready to be a parent? What the hell is this? Well, that would be, you know, if you did that, that would be one way that single people can become parents or people who don't want a partner, who right. never want a partner, um, could have a wish baby um, it's just that there is this intelligent magic that takes care of the world or takes care of the world's children. 
And this magic could actually, there could be like no child abuse because when a child, when, when abuse is beginning to start up and with a child, the magic just displaces the child. And that could be what CPS does is there's like part of the covenant that, you know, the governments have is that they have a place um, that the magic can take children that don't have a suitable parent. So it would actually be child magical services. Yeah. That these children, that way there's no issues of child abuse out there because it would be really sad if there's children being abused and some children are getting put into new homes. No, but magic would be. If there is an intelligent magical force kind of like being basically the fairy godmother of children all over the world, then that intelligent force couldn't be corrupted. It couldn't be bribed. It couldn't, it, it, it won't get tired. It won't miss things. It will see into the heart of every child and it will see into the heart of the hearts of their parents. And for the record, this is exactly how Harry Potter could get out of the cupboard if you're a Harry Potter writer. Yes. And into the muggle world if you're so inclined or into the bank if you're so inclined. Or all the way off to Arda if that's your wish. Right? But like, you know, Bilbo Baggins is sitting in his little hobbit hole. And honestly, I'll never be able to say hobbit hole without giggling a little bit on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Or a lot outside, depending on the circumstances. Anyway, Bilbo Baggins is living in his little hobbit hole. And he, um, his parents are gone. And his, his little hole is way too big for just for him. (laughs) I can't. What's the other word for hobbit hole? I need to stop saying hobbit hole. You really do. Um, <laughs> smile. How do you say that? Small? Smile? Smile? I think it's, smi- I think it's smile. That's why I always pronounce it in my head. But these words I've... Smeal. 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 Smealy? Smealy? That doesn't make any sense. No, because there's no E. Anyways. Smile. Red says it's smile, which is the way I've always pronounced it in my head. Stop, Dark. Cinna. You need to take that dark off your name because that's ridiculous. Anyways, um, no, you can keep your dark. It's fine. You got a dark little soul. I know. Um, she actually does. She's more like sassy cinnamonian. She, yeah, really, honestly. Um, and you know, so Bilbo's living his life and he's kind of unhappy. And then all of a sudden, he can have any child character you want him to have: Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, Evan Buckley. <laughs> Imagine Evan Buckley growing up in the Shire. He, Oliver Stark is six foot two. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Gandalf can go in the smile, then so can Evan Buckley. <laughs> and he wouldn't start out tall. Got a wish child a pop pops up for Rodney and John, and you know, oh, this, that'd be this, adorable. This poor kid's been displaced, maybe like two or three or four years old, and oh god, Buck. Like nine-year-old Buck appears on Atlantis, and they're like, "Well, this is just a complete breach of security." <laughs> and Buck's like, "How could it be? I don't have any idea where I am." <laughs> the first time Buck did something reckless, John, are you sure this kid isn't yours? <laughs> you need to call all your like girlfriends. <laughs> did you date a hot blonde once? <laughs> yeah, that could be another way a child could enter the magical system. Is that if they're an orphan? Um. That they're placed in the system and taken care of um, until their parent comes along. But I imagine yeah. children wouldn't be in that system very long because, you know, lots of people want children who can't have them. Yeah. 
I mean, if, if I was doing this in the 911 verse, I could actually send Buck off to um, that gay couple in um, that we meet that died together. Oh, they won't die, right? Well, Mitchell? no, no. Mitchell and not. Mitchell and, and um, Thomas. Thomas. Mitchell and yeah. Thomas. That makes my heart sing. Can I have that, please? Yes. <laughs> okay. He was so heartbroken when they died. Yes, he was. And then he'd be in their photo album, too. Uh, I'm so happy already, and I haven't even read it. <laughs> I am I am gruntled. I am genuinely gruntled. So that could be an interesting brings, spin on the wish. He brings Eddie and Christopher over to meet them. <sighs> My heart is so full right now. <laughs> and my parents, Christopher and, and Mitchell and Thomas. And actually, with Buck vanishing, um, that could be an impetus for Maddie not to get with Doug. Cause yeah. yeah. She, she might decide when she, because she could, she could get notified where Buck's been re, been placed I mean, to. He's already 12 years old. He would probably call her and say, hey, um, I got. I got CMS and um, I'm in California now and I've got two dads and their names are, <laughs> this is my yeah. number. <laughs> He's all happy. She sh and she transfers. Yeah, she might switch to a school on the West coast so she could be closer to the brother and she just doesn't wind up with Doug. And she's like, well, if Buck gets new dads, why can't I have new dads? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I, you could actually tell a story from, um, or I could tell a story from Maddie's point of view um, about she gets, finds out that it, the day that, you know, she's like maybe just met Doug or whatever. And she gets the call about um, Evan going missing, missing um, quote unquote. And that, you know, you could be like child displacement, the child re displacement services at her family home. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> and she shows up to find out, go to find out what's going on. And she just get, has a holy, you know, has it out with her parents over over what was going on with but go well with Evan, and then um, maybe that the 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 service is like we can't tell you anything about where he's been, you know, relocated to. But it's up to him if he, he's old enough that he can contact you if he wishes. And um, Evan does wish to get in touch with her, so he does to tell her where he is. And she's like, you know, Doug, it was nice to meet you. I'm taking off. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, so now we have a whole cooking channel down. Down in social and junk, I think. <clears throat> Somewhere down there. I'm pointing like you can see my finger. Um, where we can talk about food that Brian doesn't... Brian wasn't allowed to have sweets as a child. I make a chocolate pie with um, heavy cream and Dutch chocolate. It's quite delicious. Sounds good. Anyway, that would be a, that would be a spin on the whole idea of wish babies. Is somebody really wants a child... Um, because some people really would like an older child and maybe that there are limitations. They know their limitations, like they need a kid who's, you know, already potty trained. Yeah. Or they need a kid who's, you know, who is old enough to entertain themselves or, you know, because Mitchell and Thomas would probably already be in what, in their fifties by the time that by that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, you get the and, implication uh, that they met in their seven, like they met in the seventies when they were young men. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to go rewatch that episode, but, um, you know, maybe that they just at the point now where they really want to share that they've, they've had this life with each other and now they really want to share this life with the kid, but they know they don't want a baby. They don't even really want a toddler. And it's just, they're not certain that there's this perfect kid out there for them. Then all of a sudden they get 
they get an Evan Buckley who's, you know, nine years old and a little bit, a little bit reckless, but he's old enough and independent enough to take care of himself for the most part. He just needs somebody to love him and give him attention, and uh, they could do that in spades. He could wind up at the I fire see. department a lot sooner. And also, because he'd be very safety conscious, his his dad wouldn't die pinned to a gate. Right. That was awful. That was awful. Really? I think that an abandoned or runaway child would be taken by magic anyway. I don't think there would be any abandoned or runaway kids. I and mean, also, the moment I, a kid wanted to run away, they, they, they'd probably get taken. Like, yeah. genuinely wants to run away, not that threat. I'm going to go live with grandma, which I said repeatedly as a child. I didn't actually mean it. <laughs> there would probably also have to be some sort of unforgeable... Um, not like a document saying here is a child you wish for, but just some sort of piece, some sort of like medallion or something. These kids show up with, it says this is a child that's come by magic. Um, well, in that um, wish baby fit we, we got from nine one one where Chris wishes for a baby, the baby came with a letter and a birth certificate. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. So maybe a magically displaced kid gets a new birth certificate. And it's like, here's your kid, and here's your, and like the kid comes, and then the kid has a package of information. Like, this is all of his medical records, and this is his education records. This is where he went to school, and this is his new birth certificate listing you as his parents. I don't think in a world where magical relocation for, for kids, I don't think in a world where sentient magic watches over children, that children would be kidnapped or abused in any fashion. Because if that magic is everywhere and it is touching every child, then the moment that child came into like danger of being struck or otherwise abused by an adult, that they would they would disappear. It would be an entirely different world. And if this magic, if this magic has always been here, it would be accepted that you don't kidnap children, you don't hit children, you don't think impure thoughts about children, because that's how children get disappeared and you get exposed for being a monster. Magic might leave a mark behind the, the adult in question. I mean, I, I guess it would depend on your world building. Because if you're going to have that kind of sentient magic, then I think people sometimes want to bake in ugliness because our world is ugly. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to give the world a sentient magic force that protects children, then it's going to protect children. Just like there's always time for lube, Bri, there's always room for strippers. That's right. And, but, you know, the thing is, is there is this, there's this beautiful kind of perfection in the idea that magic has dedicated itself to protecting children. And it doesn't even have to just be human children. Fair point. It's just in this world, children are off limits. I don't know in that. I don't know what I would do, how I would, how I would handle the situation with a kid who was a sociopath in that kind of world. Um, I think that if magic is sentient or you could even make it sapient depending on your needs as a world when you're, you're world building that such a child would be protected from themselves essentially what i'm saying is that magic would fix them and that there wouldn't be a sociopathic kid which would honestly basically eliminate sociopathology from humanity that they would never get that far gone because that kind of condition is makes them a danger to themselves and if magic is protecting children, they would protect children even from themselves or other children. Yeah. You generally rule would, if, with magic protecting children, um, 
criminal behavior would only come in as adults. So you have. So um, when would magic let them go? Um, at physical and mental maturity. And the brain matures at 25. It, between between 20 like between 20 and 25 in males and between like 18 and 22 i think in females yeah. so yeah but magic could make that determination in your world building whether it be 18 or 25 but yeah, if it I was mean, something like 25 I'm, then probably the law would not consider a person an adult until they're 25 right i probably wouldn't do 25 just because yeah you run into all kinds of problems. Like it, like Buck couldn't be a firefighter until he was 25 because every time he tried to run into a fire, magic would relocate him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that Dude, wouldn't work no, well. baby. No, baby. It's not time for you to do that yet. You're not grown enough. <laughs> right. So Can you go work I in the prob- office until you're 25. So I'd go with 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least his soldiers would do disappear from boot camp. Oops. You could actually have that be a case that comes up is like, you know, somebody had forged, you know, their age, you know, their age on their to get into the military, and as soon as boot camp got going, they disappeared. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's no way to trick magic. But yeah, I would probably make it eighteen, and then maybe even in that world, magic decided when people were adults, and that's why the legal age is eighteen because magic decided it many thousands of years before. Yeah, I mean that it's hard to fake your age. Um to enlist these days but it would have been easier like in the 20s and 30s so straight okay teenage pregnancy well in reality most teenage pregnancies involve a teenage girl and a grown-ass man so how do you think magic would treat that i know how i would treat it teenage girl vanishes grown-ass man gets yeeted wherever right. magic may like but see if this has been this way always then no grown-ass man would go near a teenage girl. Because there's no hiding it. So it's like there's no hiding hitting your kid. Because you can't hide from magic. It'd be an entirely different world. Because what you're looking at... Um, you, you would want to preserve your canon events as much as you can. Just so that you have a foundation to stand on. But what you're looking at is a fundamental change... In the way our society came to be. Yeah. Just like in like Ties That Bind... When BDSM basically came out of the cave with humans... Everything we know today would be shaped a little bit differently. That's funny, Ellie, because what if house elves run the magical displacement service? Like, what if the sentient magic recruited them and took them away from wherever they were and took and brought them to this universe and they run the magical protected for the protector of children? <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, the humans aren't treating you all right, so you need to come and move help with abused children. And they're like, okay. We'll do that. Winky has her sack. That's right. I'll get my sack. <laughs> can we punish the adults? Well, well, no. We take Speaking the kids away which, before they can do anything bad. Someone finally got my Easter egg that I put in the Thousand Mile Road. There is a moment in the Thousand Mile Road where Willa, who is a little droid, is asked to go down on a mission. And Den decides to let her come. And then she says, I'm going to go get my bag. <laughs> Her satchel. She's getting her satchel. And it was a direct kind of like Easter leg of Winky when she said, I'm gonna get get my sack. <laughs> it's just no one had no one had said it to me. And I was like, I, I was really amusing myself and no one said anything. But someone did today. 
they sent me an email and told me how that they laughed and that it really made their day. Is there a picture of her somewhere? Of Willa? Are you talking to me? Yeah, it is on uh, um, in my head I was saying her name really differently. How are you saying it? Willa. Oh. Hold on. The 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 um kind of droid that Willa is is canon. And I have a um, picture of what she would um, kind of look like. That's Willa. So, but uh, there is a there is a Star Wars cartoon. I forget which one it is, um, where there is an, uh, a droid character uh, who is this model of droid, um, and he is the same droid that they pick up from. He's the droid that was in pieces in the hideout when they go the bounty hunter hideout what's his name what's his name god, oh my god he kind of felt boba yeah boba fett um his hideout one of the uh bounty hunters has a droid just like her and he and she ends up going to he ends up going to Tantooine, and he's a real asshole but he but he's actually in a cartoon and you can see him like you go look him up on youtube tote to do something, to do something. You have to get a Star Wars fan to dig out the nitty gritty on that. But yeah, that, that's the kind of droid that Willa is. Yeah, her little belly is where her toolkit is. That's where all her tools are. 2D, Demma? Okay. I like the other picture you have of her better. You can Where you can see her little feet thrusters. Let me see if I can find that one. Well, I have this one. But yeah, her toolkit is in her belly. I can't find the other picture. Anyway, she's basically Winky in my Star Wars verse. I regret nothing. Nor should you regret it. Oh, wait. I found it. There's, there the droid is hovering. And her feet are cute. <clears throat> yeah, that's the one. I purposefully designed Willa to ease the trauma that Din associated with droids. Um, she's very childlike on purpose. She's small on purpose. Um, she is essentially innocent. Uh, because the only other droid that he really has interaction with all the time is the hunter droid that nearly killed him. And tried to kill the baby before he knew better. You know, obviously. Um, and so I wanted to give him a different perspective to allow for a natural character growth. Because otherwise it would have been artificial. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it worked. I mean, it, it, she was she was a transition for sure. <laughs> yeah, because IG, um, he has history with IG that IG doesn't remember in in several different circumstances. Yeah, before he was reprogrammed. Yeah, um, and so while he does grow to trust IG because he trusted his reprogramming, he has a clean slate with Willa. And she's very much like a child. Um, and he's in a position in his life where he's building a family. He has his son. He's adopted a daughter. Uh, he's looking forward to having children in the future. He knows there will be more children brought to him by the force. And so he's he's embracing this, this role of fatherhood. Um, which I enjoy. I enjoy exploring exploring fatherhood. I think if you've been my reader for a very long time, you know that. Um, and it's really the whole 
the whole series is about Den, you're right, Sebastian, Den's journey as a father, recovering from his losses, um, getting over, or not getting over, but accepting his trauma and um, becoming a better man, which is why that the first the first book is called A Better Man. And also, it's a really fucking fantastic Clint Black song that you really should listen to. <laughs> yeah, magical magical child protective services would not allow the Jedi Order. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. A damn bit of room. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, you know, that's what A Better Man is about and what The Thousand Mile, Mile Road is about. It's about him coming to terms with his mistakes his future and the family he's building with his wife and the gratitude that he has for being given that second chance to get, to get all that. So anyways, I like the idea of magic protecting children. And I like the idea of people who want babies don't automatically get them until they meet the burden. Yeah. But it's not just about period. love. It's about trust yeah, that, that there's trust involved and there is this, you know, deep desire to to have a family because a wish baby is special. This is a gift from on high, wherever you want that gift to come from. <clears throat> I think all children are special. I don't want to say that, you know, the children that are already in the show that were natural births would be less special. But what I'm telling you is when magic makes you a child, it's a special endeavor. I think the ability to provide for the child mentally and physically would also be a a thing, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it could I mean, it could be the force. Yeah, the 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 force could run around being like, "No." No. Cuz like what what if one day the force was like, "You know what? The cosmic force says, "You know what? I don't like what y'all stop. <laughs> you sit over there and think about your life choices." And all the little Padawans disappear. That's the force saying, I do not approve. Well, in a world where magic is known and Harry Potter existed, I don't suppose the term Muggleborn would be a thing. Because if magic and magical coexist with other humans, then there would just be people and magical people. Because I, for me, the term Muggle and the term Muggleborn... Um, speak to a demarcation between the magical world and the world that you and I live in. But if there is no demarcation, is that the right word? Sometimes you use a word in your head and you're like, is that right? But if there is no barrier between the two worlds, if the two, if the two worlds coexist, then there, that, that language wouldn't exist to, in, in my mind. Yeah. Because if I mean, magic's I running around taking children... Well, yeah, Tom Riddle wouldn't exist as Tom Riddle. Well, he wouldn't have become Voldemort anyway. I don't think witch burnings would have happened either. I mean, you're looking at a world where magic has always existed. So witches were burned. Witches, I'm using parentheses around that. Not parentheses. Quote marks around that. Told you my tongue and my brain are not working together tonight. Um, were burned as a second of fear. That was fear in religion. But if magic's always been here, then what is there to fear? And I have to feel like if there is a protective force preventing children from being mistreated or abused and, and, and removing them when it, when it happens, that 
there would be no damn witch burning because they would that that magic would certainly protect its own as well and also other magicals would have would be free to respond and to prevent those kinds of things from happening of course it's my headcanon in harry potter that there were no actual witches burned because they only burned adults and if it's just muggles burning people they think are witches an actual witch or wizard could just apparate. How do you say that word? Apparate? Mm-hmm. Teleport themselves to the other side of the fucking world, okay? I mean, or whatever, you know? Yeah, there are, like, anti... They can freeze things, set things on fire. I mean, I just don't see them actually burning actual witches in the Harry Potter world. They would have been burning other regular people. <laughs> That they don't like, which was the whole point of witch trials. They were putting people on trial for not being exactly like them. Yeah, <laughs> I was that canon or fanon that there was that one witch that used to get caught on purpose because she liked getting set on fire. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting so hobby. I don't think they actually successfully. I don't think they actually successfully ever killed a real witch in Harry Potter in those witch trials. I have not read the books since the last one came out. So whenever Deathly Hallows came out is the last time I read the books. Because prior to Deathly Hallows coming out, I read the first six books. And then I read Deathly Hallows the day it came out. And so, 2007. Okay, wow. So I have not read the books since then. But I have read a fuck ton of fan fiction since then. Yeah. Um, So my canon and fanon often get mixed up. Right. Because there are some really pervasive, um, pervasive fanons that feel like they are canon. Um, and I have a deep Harry Potter fanon, head canon. Yeah. So Susan asked, in the case of natural disaster, how would that affect in this magical relocation universe? And I think you could go either way on it, depending upon what you wanted to do. Because um, you could be like that some things are just unavoidable. And sometimes, like, kids get in car accidents, and that's just the kind of thing that happens on occasion. Um, There are accidents that happen that... um, Because you could argue that there's a difference between magic interfering and acts of, basically, fate, which would be um, car car accidents, potentially car accidents, or um, accidents in general, natural disasters, that kind of thing, versus somebody else's overt act. Neglect, abuse, that kind of thing. Agreed. Because, well, in the verse that I'm writing, Requiem, um, Buck recognizes fate as a real thing. A real force that often interferes with his ability to do what he thinks is right. Um, And so, if you're going to have a force like magic working in your world, you have to have something working against magic. Because otherwise, you're creating a circumstance that is that your reader is going to balk against. Did you ever... Did I say that word right? God. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My brain and my tongue are just... Like I said, I'm, I'm having a word retrieval issue. I've been having it all day. So I keep questioning myself. But anyways, um, did you ever watch The Matrix? When they were explaining The Matrix to Neo, they told him that the first time they made The Matrix, they made it perfect. And all the humans in the Matrix freaked out. They gave them a perfect world. And the human mind could not handle it. Fathom it. Yeah. I watched the preview for um, Matrix Resurrection. 
on HBO Max. I don't know what to think of it. I haven't seen it. You'll, you'll have to watch it later to, and tell me what you think. Because I'm like, hmm. I mean, you know, Keena Reeves looking hot. So Ellie says... Hard so, him not case, to look hot. so there Go was ahead. a question up above where Penumbra asked about the kid in his drunk mom's car driving the wrong way in the freeway in 911, which that was an episode in season four, I think, where she caused a major car accident because um, she got drunk and was driving the wrong way. And her son was in the back seat. Now, I would call that an act of ne- negligence, not an act of fate. Um, and negligence to me is a... Is is an is an, an abusive situation. A mother driving drunk is an abusive situation. So I think the kid would be taken. So then Ellie's follow up question was: Would that mean the father would lose the kid as well? No, I think the child would be relocated to the father because you could argue that the mother, for even if the parents are married, that in that moment the mother is the one who had custody of the child, um, and that if the father is a suitable child, which in, suitable custodian, which in that in canon he was, that the child would be moved to him. And that I would mean, be probably really, the moment she started the car. Yeah, drunk. It, she, she, she wouldn't have gotten in an accident because her, the kid would have um, the moment she started the car drunk, the kid would have been moved. And the father would have been alerted very quickly because if, if your kid suddenly pops up when they're supposed to be with their parent, their, their, their parent, and they suddenly appear before you with some sort of you know like little emblem attached to their chest or a little necklace around that saying that magical, you know, the magical relocation department has moved this child for their own safety. Um, and it only happens for, you know, acts of abuse, abuse or negligence um, that he knows his wife and he, and if he knows his wife's drinking problems, he's going to immediately know that she's drunk. So. Oh, I just had, I just had a really awful thought. Um, question. When Shaden left, was Eddie discharged? Yes, he'd been medically discharged. Okay. Yes. And he's working three jobs basically to support Christopher and his parents have Christopher. What if Christopher just showed up one day on his job site? Oh, that's interesting. With one of those little medallions. And that was his um impetus for heading to California. Yeah. Clearly I can't trust you around my son. And magic has has you know the magical displacement services has declared you unfit. And basically, at this point, like if if someone is declared unfit in your child's life, and you allow them to have access to your child, I think magic would take that kid from you too. So Eddie has no choice really at that point but to remove his parents from his life permanently, or he will lose his kid. His kid will disappear and become somebody else's child. Imagine the fear of that. I mean, yeah. I, if if I were him, I would pack my kid in the car and go. I would, I'm gone. I'll sell my house to an agent from California. He could have a really understanding boss who could just be sit standing there with his mouth hanging open and Eddie could look at him and he goes, no, I, I get it. This is your last day. I'll have your check ready for you in the morning so you can pick it up on your way out of town. And Eddie's like, good, good man. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it could be that kind of situation, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's really interesting. So somebody, people have been asking about Tony Donozo and his situation. Um, it could be um, from a very young age. And I would imagine you could actually, if you wanted him to be raised, this would be a plot device to have him be raised by his British family. Um, that practically, you know, the first time his mother gets drunk and doesn't take care of him, that he could have him appearing in his grandfather's arms when he's an infant, if you wanted to write it that way. Which is probably what I would do if his, if you wanted to write him having a good family with the Paddingtons, um, or you could just displace him almost anywhere as an infant. But ha- I w- you could do it very young in his case. 
I don't know that Bobby's children would have been taken from him before the fire. Because they had a good parent. And he was good with them. He he didn't drink or use around his kids. That's why he had that side apartment he was squatting in. That's why the fire happened was because, yeah, he was going off to. But when he left that fire burning and all of the children in that apartment building were at risk then, because of his negligence. Not Bobby's, actually. The, he, Bobby was cleared for having any fault in that. It was the building's wiring that was the problem. Because that space heater should have shut off when it got hot, you know, because they have... But the... Anyway, it, it was... Uh, there were, when they In the episode about that whole okay. thing, Bobby... But Now, Bobby continued to feel guilty, which most okay. people who, who have a conscience would. But Bobby right. was found not at fault that the building was not up to code. Okay. So if the building is not up to code... And all those kids, there probably would have been more than just his kids in that building because it was a family kind of apartment building, right? And they were all exposed to danger because of somebody else's negligence. Is that a matter of fate? Or does magical displacement services come in and take all the kids? I mean, I think you could you could probably write it either way. I would say the building owner, usually when buildings don't keep things up to code or when they cut corners, they're doing it for greed, right? Which I right. find... So they're not acting to endanger a child. They're just lining their own pocket. Right. But greed is in its way an act of... You could argue that greed... You could argue ar either argue that because it wasn't an overt act of malice towards a child, that it, it, it could still be allowed to happen. Or you could argue that um, somebody acting in that way in such a fashion that greed is an act of malice in, a, in in its way and that the moment that his actions endangered a child all the children were taken which was when bobby left that space heater on because honestly that could have anybody could have space heater on in any unit so it i just happened think, it happened to be that they're, unit yeah they're talking about Ob Ob obadiah stain and tony stark in um, the chat room i don't see how tony as a grown-ass man in afghanistan would catch the attention of a magical service um, that sole purpose is to protect children because now, Tony as a child um, it could be that Howard was very different with Tony or more hands off but that between his mother and Anna and and Jarvis because I don't think that I think in this magical displacement services thing kind of world the way I would write it would be that if there are sufficient people caring for the child the fact that one parent or whatever maybe is gone a lot or maybe just doesn't care about the kid it would not matter if there was sufficient love for the child and the child was being tended to which is why buck would conceivably disappear when maddie was gone from the home um because his emotional needs are being met through his sister and when she was gone maybe his parents got even worse once maddie was out of the house so um the other side of it is is that you're making the assumption, or they are, you know, people are making the assumption that in this world, Howard Stark would be the same person he was in canon. Yeah. Now, if you're in a world where you know bringing a child into your life, creating a child, is going to put you under the microscope of magic, and that every act you take in front of your child will be judged by a sapient, sentient magic force that you cannot fight. And you cannot argue with or debate with. And that there is no one around you who can do it for you. Are you really going to risk having a child if you don't want one? And if you do want a child, are you really going to risk that child 
your air being taken from you by being an abusive dick? The answer is no. No. And, you know, even if he even if he had the child just because Maria really wanted a kid and he thought he needed an heir, he would even if he was detached, he would still he would not be verbally abusive to Tony. He wouldn't be able to risk it, even if it was just for his own reputation. Right. I think that I think that in cases where a another adult or another child becomes a danger to a child, that children would be separated to be dealt with you know like you know, bullying situations the children would be separated and like hey there's a problem somewhere how'd you get to be this way and figure it out right magic, but if it's an adult the would be heated out of the situation magic could give adults little warnings about the children and their charge so and that could be a case of a parent so like if howard was being too neglectful he could get like a little ping from magic and that could and people could know that is about don't don't speak to your child that way um but somebody who's a caretaker or a teacher could get like a little ping for magic. Like there's a problem between kids and they could go and know that they need to go investigate a situation. And then they could know that they need to separate some kids or whatever. Because they don't want to be marked by magic as a danger to children. Right. But in terms of like the, the, the half, the sort of halfway house for kids, I would imagine like historically, I mean, can you imagine, I could imagine that, it's evolved through time, but imagine like, like way back in the beginning that kids that were removed from their homes were like maybe moved just to the town square or moved to the town elder. Um, and that over time that has developed into every town has a place for children who are displaced to be taken to. And these places are designated as such and magic, magic understands that and they're staffed appropriately for any children. So like every town has a place that is staffed 24 hours a day. And maybe in small towns, it's an extension of the urgent care center or the little tiny hospital where there's a nurse or a doctor who's checking in on it because they almost never have a child pop in there. But it could be the custom that every single solitary town has one of these places where magic can displace a child to um and maybe the children then are moved to a bigger city later if they're there more than a few hours or a day or so um i would think because of the threat of losing your child that because this would be this would not be a new circumstance because they've, they've always had this that mm -hmm. the displacement of a child would actually not be that common but when it does happen it is life destroying for the for the adults involved yeah um and I that would, because so many ch people want children that a displaced child wouldn't be held anywhere very long yeah i would think that child people would think really hard about having children because there's consequences to you if you don't treat your child correctly and um with a displaced child that um and so it could be that it's major cities because magic could displace a child further away. Um, but I would imagine that most of the time that the displacements happen over things like an acquired bad habit, like a parent has started drinking and it has led to negligence as opposed to outright abuse. Right. Drunk um, driving. Yeah. Drunk example. driving. Because if a parent acquires a bad habit, that's not something that they would have had at birth that leads to negligence or a parent falls into a bad situation that leads to negligence like they lose their job financial stress and that leads to a situation of negligence and, and if a child is actually struck by a parent um I and, and again yeah what what if the mere 
creation of Evan Buckley was enough to catch Magic's attention. And the moment he was born to parents who did not want him, that all three Buckley children would have been taken. Oh, that's interesting. And so Thomas and Mitchell would have not got one child, but three. was <laughs> <laughs> a baby. And you could have, you could then write it that the, um, that Daniel's um, uh, bone marrow transplant worked just by virtue of different timing, you know, because right. you could, you could, you could do that thing that you already done with the mm -hmm. whole idea of him um, having had an infection or something. They could, maybe they just waited a little longer. Would, would Danny get fixed by magic? Danny who? Daniel. Um, I don't think so. I don't, yeah, I don't think that this displacement service is a healing service. But the circumstances would change enough that maybe um, in California, they, obviously Thomas and Mitchell were well off. They, they get a specialist for their new son. Um, a very good doctor who's paying attention, who realizes that on the day the transplant is supposed to take place that, but honestly, would they still do the transplant? Well, if he needs a bone marrow transplant and um, Buck already exists, but wouldn't it be great if one of them was a match? Oh yeah, you could do that. But the other thing that they could do is if his new parents could say, um, instead of doing it right, instead of doing it the minute Buck is old enough, is waiting until Buck is the, at least old enough to understand what's going on, and say yes or no. I mean, but considering the fact that Daniel died shortly after Buck turned one, does Daniel have time? To wait for Evan. But he died. He he died because of a failed bone marrow transplant. Um, bone marrow transplants are well, depending upon why you're getting a bone marrow transplant. But bone marrow transplants are risky no matter what. They're like a fifty-fifty shot. Mm -hmm. um, and if it fails, that's it, right? If the cells don't graft, that's it. So, I think that Magic would have taken Evan not because he was a savior baby, but because his parents didn't love him. They just saw him as a tool. I The ethics of a savior baby is really iffy. I understand the desperation of wanting to save your child. I get it. There's a book I can book sympathize written. with that part about it. But there's to not love the savior baby that you created? Yeah, because there's a book written by, a, by one of the first savior siblings in the U.S. And... Um, she was deeply, deeply loved by her parents and her family. So that's a very different situation than someone who is not loved by, who is seen as a spare parts. My sister's keeper was the first time I ever heard of a savior baby. I didn't even know they were a thing until yeah. I watched that movie. I did not, I'm not sure if there was a book, but I didn't read it. I mean, the consent issue, you know, a child sort of forcing a child to, to undergo a medical procedure is part of, is one of the reasons ethically why people have an issue with it. Um, I don't but there's think a, a lot child of can give a kidney. I mean, the only way that children get kid, kid kidneys is because of unexpected death, right? I don't think a, like an eight or a 10 year old could donate a kidney. No, I don't, I don't think so. But I mean, I guess I mean it's it would be difficult to go into deeply into the ethics about this because again there's understanding the emotional side of it and then disagreeing with some of the ethics around it and understanding that the ethics of it are very very murky um, and no matter which way you swing on the whole subject and, and no matter which way we we Kira or I individually felt about some of it um, 
it would be sure to offend somebody. Um, oh, Jesus. I'm glad I've never watched that episode of CSI. Oh, my God. Uh, I've never watched that episode of CSI, but that's awful. Um, it is a very murky subject, uh, but I do think that you could, that I would probably write it that Thomas and Thomas or Mitchell is actually like a really good match for Daniel for bone marrow. And that's why they were chosen by magic. And so that, that neither, and the, whoever the match was just had never thought to see, to join the national registry, but magic moved all three kids to this household because one of the parents would be a match. That's how I'd write it. Yeah. And it could also be um, that if magic takes one of your kids and you have other kids, that magic takes all of your kids. That could just be a standard that if you're found an unfit parent, you are an unfit parent. Period. That you don't get to keep on. Because, I mean, that's just really murky, right? That I love these two kids, but I don't love that one. Well, I mean, what does that say? I mean, I guess it's something emotionally that's possible that you could really love one kid and really not be able to stand another. But, boy, that whole concept makes me emotionally uncomfortable. Right? But also, like, in situations where, like, you have a first marriage and you have kids and then you have a second marriage and you have kids. And that maybe your partner doesn't like your kids. Mm, yeah. And that situation festers to the point where all the kids in the household disappear. Well, there's this whole concept of the golden child and the scapegoat. Where one child is treated like gold and the other is treated like um, a stepchild. <laughs> I'm a stepchild. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? It's like they're, they're treated like a second class citizen in their own home. Much like you could say that Dudley was the golden child, yes, and that Harry was the scapegoat. Yeah. Because honestly, Harry came into Petunia's care at such a point where she could have been his mother. Should have been. She could have created a mother-son bond with him and didn't. Yeah. So just the idea of this magical displacement is a lot of fun. Um, in that not the not that the reason for them existing is fun, but that the idea that you could take characters that you really enjoy a lot, um, who had terrible childhoods and move them in a situation where they have amazing childhoods. I've got a question. Easy ask. I've got a question about the world building side of this. How do you address the point of having kids grow up basically protected from dangerous situations their whole lives? There would be issues of them having no concept of repercussions or responsibility. Well, I mean, they can still get hurt. I, we didn't say dangerous situation. We said dangerous parents. And there is a significant difference. I don't think actually anybody should be taught at the age of five to dodge a parent's fist. That's not a life lesson a five-year-old needs. Just saying. But I would say that like regular car accidents would happen, falling off your bicycle, falling out of a tree. All these you things still, get, still I mean, happen. Kids bullying other kids could still result in repercussions. You could still get in trouble for that kind of thing. And actually, it'd probably be greater repercussions because, you know, magic could be pinging on parents saying, whoa, you need to do something about these kids. Um, and the parents don't want to, or the teachers don't want to be, you know, in trouble with magic. So they're going to be very assertive about this. Um, so, it, it, you know, you've got, uh, kids, kids would still learn repercussions. They're not going to go their whole lives with ever experiencing pain. They're going to fall and have boo-boos. They're just not going to ever have experienced somebody hurting them. So, On with malice. So, because I've never experienced that, if somebody, like, if, if, a, if somebody who I would think that there would be a lot less tolerance of domestic violence because a, a, a young 
a young girl who's grown up with no one ever hitting her, the first time a man tries to hit her, she's going to be like, she's going to hit him back. And she'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> you want to go? Let's go. Pick up the first thing she can get her hands on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this isn't going to be a perfect world where no one gets hurt. Um, but it would be a world where being a parent is an immense responsibility. And and it's treated as such. Yeah. Your society expects you to treat, unlike, you know, unlike the way we approach it now, where, you know, you're, you're, you're entitled to have as many children as you want, regardless of how badly you treat them, um, that society would treat having a children as a duty, a privilege, and a responsibility that you're expected to upkeep, you know, expected to upkeep that covenant. And if you don't, everybody's going to know about it. <laughs> and really, you would not. You would work very hard not to bring a child into into the world that you weren't prepared to take really good care of because you don't want the stigma of having had your child taken from you by magic. I imagine it'd mark you for life. I, I, yeah, it could be a stigma that could really follow you. And you could, depending upon your world building, you could make it be a literal mark that people get. Um, like a red letter? A scarlet letter? It could be like just like a mark on their arm or something. If somebody actually were to like... It, it could be depending upon some things it could be like that they just get it could be minor like you know it, like the parent gets drunk and they put their child at risk and they get like just a little mark on their arm or something but if somebody actually starts thinking about you know actually engaging in like having their their, their a budding pedophile and they actually think about acting on the that they could like wind up with a mark on their face that says that they're a serious threat to children um but you could you could go that far that that far with it, or it could just be that like a you know a letter drops in the um, local governance office with this child been removed. If you want to go that far, this child been removed from this person's custody for the act of negligence or for the act of abuse or for the you know whatever you want to do, however you want to spin it. Um, but you'll want to create a world building that you can be consistent with. Yeah. Somebody mentioned Dudley up above. I, I don't remember who. Cause it's a little hard for me to follow the chat, you know, with the one eye thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I mentioned. I saw Dudley mention the way Petunia treated Dudley was abusive too. Yeah. The Neither one of them would have stayed in that house. No, the overfeeding, um, the spoiling, uh, but especially the overfeeding was a form of physical abuse. I wrote in one of my fix once that she believed that starving Harry would take his magic and overfeeding Dudley would make him attractive to the magic so that she was trying to basically, yeah, lure uh, Harry's magic into Dudley's body. Wow. I mean, and also here's the thing. I do think that there is an implication in Harry Potter that food is somehow related to magic. Like, eating a lot is related to magic. Because you've ever noticed the way that Molly kind of consistently tried to overfeed her kids? Yeah. And so it's like, and then all the, the big feast at school, like for every meal, the, every meal was a feast, basically. It does kind of imply there's a connection between food and magic. But I do think that one of the most severe consequences in a, in a verse like this of having your child taken for you from abuse would be sterility. Like you would lose the ability to have more kids, and that maybe in this world it's the only reason you would be sterile or infertile, unless like you were in an accident and lost parts. Obviously, the thing is, in a Harry Potter world, Harry would never have made it to the to the Dursleys. 
because no, the because minute, the moment that Dumbledore decided to take him to Dursley's, no, the moment that Tom Riddle pointed that wanted him. Oh, he, yeah, he because his parents that's an act of malice. Dead. That's an act of malice. But honestly, the moment that Lily dropped dead, yeah. But I mean, the thing but is, back up because Tom Riddle wouldn't have grown up in an abusive orphanage. Yeah, fair, fair point. And not to say he couldn't have grown up and still been an asshole. I mean, because he could have. He'd just be a different kind of asshole. Because yeah, that orphanage wouldn't have existed. But um, And he would have probably been, the moment his mother died, he would have been, I guess it would depend on how angry Tom Riddle Sr. was, is whether or not he would get his son, but probably not. So he would have been teleported maybe somewhere on the other side of the planet and given to a couple to raise as their baby. Surely, hopefully, a magical couple. <laughs> There are I mean, there are a lot of ripples considering to his for. circumstances. <laughs> Frog points out that there are a lot of Night Rogue that there are a lot of ripples to account for in this kind of world, and there really are a lot of ripples to account for. Um, so, I mean, and honestly, your Dark Lord could have been somebody else entirely. It could have been the Grindelwald is still around. I mean, you could determine for yourself if uh, any sort of force could create a child in this world. That would be your decision to make. What do you mean any sort of force could create a child? Like, I mean, if, like, if sexual force. I was trying to avoid using the R word. Um, oh, like okay. Love potions or uh, getting slipped a date rape drug. I was trying to avoid it, but I said it anyway. Um, I was like, would magic interfere? Um, I would say no. I would say that magic would not even notice the circumstances until the child was created. And then it would be, yeah. oh, the, then that situation would have been done. I think that, I don't think Dumbledore would actually have been made the headmaster of Hogwarts. He probably wouldn't even be a teacher there. And of course, Quidditch wouldn't exist for kids. <laughs> what those kids would be doing for physical exercise, but it wouldn't be cheering at, cheer at, at Quidditch games because I don't see how any teacher could keep their... <laughs> There is a really great story in Harry Potter where Tom Riddle ends up being the headmaster of Hogwarts and he gets so militant about protecting the kids at Hogwarts that he makes all the teachers swear a vow that they will allow nothing, that they will not willingly allow any, any child to come to danger. So the first time they have a Quidditch game, every single teacher busts out of the stands. <laughs> <laughs> And you gotta be careful. Gotta be careful with the wording of those vows. <laughs> Quidditch came to an abrupt halt. Yeah, you could have Dumbledore and Grindelwald working together. It would be an interesting. It would be interesting to explore the ripples of a universe where Tom Riddle was displaced by magic almost right away, and um, maybe they got they tended to his magic dysfunction as a result of the love potions, and he grew up a normal person, and. Then and then what, you know? Well, he goes to school, becomes a really great wizard, and ends up getting deployed by the ICW to go to Britain to take care of the Grindelwald and Dumbledore problem. There you go. I don't know if Dumbledore was was the custodial relative or if uh, Aberforth was. I I, haven't, I, don't, I know. don't know which one was older. I I always thought Aberforth was older, but since oh, Alice is older, okay. But Albus was going to school, right? So I feel like that Aberforth might have been the custodial, the, the, the guardian. 
Is it Fanon or Cannon that he that Dumbledore resented his sister because she was holding him back? Okay, that, that that's Fanon. Makes a hell of a lot of sense though, doesn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you come across a piece of Fanon and you're like, yeah, that works. <laughs> Did he really? I mean, you think about the circumstances of Ariana Dumbledore's death and ask yourself, was he angry at Grindelwald because the strike curse hit her? Or did he break up with Grindelwald and blame Grindelwald because he thinks his curse hit her? Was Aberforth, uh, Aberforth, Aberforth clearly blamed them both. I mean, you can write it either way that he's overwhelmed with guilt. He breaks, you know, he throws Grindelwald out of his life, out of that guilt. Or he's overwhelmed with fear that Grindelwald is going to reveal that he killed his sister on purpose because she was a burden. Yeah. You could twist it. Have fun yeah. with that. Um, but back to Wish Babies. Um, let's go back to Wish Babies because this is really fun, this whole magical displacement idea. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. You could do a lot of interesting things with it. You could save a lot of characters from from their bad, um, the, the, the A-plus parenting that happened in their life. Uh, but even just the existence of such a service would make some of that A-plus parenting disappear. Now, it wouldn't make a parent love their child. Like in the case of Philip and uh, Margaret <coughs> Buckley, <coughs> so it couldn't make it couldn't force love. Um, I do think it would have created a very different circumstance for Tony Stark, um, and I don't feel like Tony Dinozo would have spent very much time in his parents' house at all, considering the hot mess they both were. Um, I think I think Magic only needs one parent to really love and be attentive to the child, as long as there's not abuse. So Dinozo Senior could have been absent. Um, but once his mother started, developed her alcohol problem, which it's not clear when that occurred, but once she developed her alcohol problem, I think that, um, he would have vanished. And there's no, I mean, and you could go a billion directions with where he wound up. Family member who wanted him or who would have wanted him, or he could have wound up with, um, the service who contacted the family and cause maybe, maybe they weren't wishing for a baby and the concept is a wish child, right? Um, maybe they weren't wishing, actively wishing for a child but when they're contacted and said, um, the, your, your grandson is, is in the displacement office. Do you, do you want him? Do you want to wish and appeal to appeal to magic to get, be given custody? Um, and then maybe they, maybe then they, maybe that's the procedure with extended family who doesn't know is then they make a wish. And if magic finds them suitable, the child will be immediately displaced. Your cat is, a, is trying to get in your computer because your cat loves us. There are people who actually put the podcast on to keep their, their pets company. Your cat's trying to rescue us from your computer. <laughs> Oddly. Interesting. I used to have a landline. Don't have one now, obviously. because That would just be ridiculous. Um, but uh, I hardly ever answer my cell phone. There's no need for me to pay for a landline. I'm not going to answer it, right? Um, but I had a landline. And whenever I would call people, my dog would try to get to the phone line outside in my backyard. Well, eventually he got to it and he chewed through it. And so I had to call the phone company out to get this line replaced. And I asked him to place it up above where my dog could reach. And this was a Siberian Husky. Um, his name was Cisco. He's my 
he was my big baby forever and I lost him a couple of years ago. Um, well, he's a big dog. So I, we had to put it up pretty high. Um, and I said, I don't know why he keeps chewing it. He says, the, the, do you know when he chews it? And I was like, well, usually I, I get static on the phone and I realize he's chewing on it and I go out and I get him. And he's like, he's trying to, he, he can hear you. I said, what? And he said, he can hear you through this phone line. That's why he's chewing it. If he's only chewing it when you're on the phone, it's because he hears you. So we got the phone line put above his head so he couldn't get to it on his paw, like on his hind. Yeah. So it was ridiculous. But my dog could hear my voice through the phone connection box and the line. So he was trying to get to me. Yeah. He was trying to rescue me. <laughs> That's very sweet. So. But uh, I miss him. I miss him so much. Sometimes he um, he had this thing where he would kind of, you, you know how cats lean on you? No. You don't because you don't have cats. Um, cats. Well, I've been around cats, but they tend to just stare at me like from across the room with this little evil eye. Like, which well, one of us cats is in will kind of, um Cats will kind of wind up between your legs when they want your attention and they'll lean on you. Um, well, Cisco would lean on me. And some, and this is going to sound really crazy, but sometimes when I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking, um, I feel his weight against my leg again. Oh, except he's been gone for I years, know. and it's it's just a it's just a weird thing, and I, it, it's obviously a muscle memory, obviously, um, but it's yeah, I, I'm gonna cry if I keep talking about this. We're gonna change the subject. <laughs> How we get here, um. Something but, uh, to do with cats. Yeah, sometimes I feel his weight on my leg. But um, let, let's go back to actual wish babies. Like, appear out of magic. This is your biological child wish baby. Mm -hmm. Two people have wished for a baby. Now, the question is, is, does it have to be explicit? I want to have a baby with this person. And that person agrees. Or is it, could it be as simple as something as saying, as I want to make a family with this person. I think, I think it could be vague. Um, I mean, certainly we accepted in with a crown of stars vague because clearly Will and Hannibal didn't explicitly say, I want to have a baby with you because both to of them anyone were surprised. Or even each other. <laughs> right. Cause both of them were surprised by the appearance of the baby. So they both were probably more thinking, you know, if I were to ever have a family with somebody, I'd want it to be him kind of thing. I just slapped myself. <laughs> It's not that kind of podcast, sweetheart. I know. It's it, 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 it's a depth perception issue. You should see me trying to digitally sign my consent forms at the hospital today. I was like, try because they said press the yellow button to digitally sign it. I have to do it like 10 times, right? And I press in the wrong place. And I'm like, sorry, my depth perception is a little fucked up. So what about single people? I mean... It's a little difficult to work out the world building there. I mean, who does magic make the other biological donor? Right, because that becomes an issue of consent. Because if, if magic is creating a baby out of the genetics of two different people to create this baby for you, right? Um, even though there's no body contact between them, magic just can't go run around taking somebody's genetics without their permission. That, that becomes an issue of consent. Well, in this situation... <laughs> It would be cloning, basically. Well, a sperm bank implies that only women would be asking to be a single parent. But also, if you're creating a wish baby with genetics, it 
it isn't like magic is taking sperm and ovum or anything from the two people that are wishing for a baby. This is a magical realism concept. This baby is being created to be their genetic offspring, but the magic isn't harvesting genetics from anybody physically. At least I wouldn't write it that way because that's weird um, and invasive. Um, so I, I would not write it where magic could just decide at random, okay, this person wants a baby. Um, and the idea of magic reading egg and sperm banks is gross. <laughs> well, it's kind of hysterical. We had 16 sperm deposits disappear last night. Wish babies got real last night. It was a it was a party. But no, it's like magic's like, okay, she wants a baby. Here's this lady in New York. They'll make a cute kid together. And then she then I'll make this baby and give this baby to this person. And then this person in New York never knows that she has a genetic baby out there. That's gross. So I'm not sure. I think that if I was gonna do like single parents getting babies, it would be in the magical displacement kind of way. I would not want to do that with wish babies because it becomes an issue of consent for me and consent is a hot button topic for me, but there could be circumstances where a person who doesn't want to have a relationship, who um, is either aromantic or asexual, doesn't want to have a partner, whatever reason they have for not wanting to have a partner is valid and it's there. And they have this friend who doesn't want kids, um, doesn't have a, you know, whatever, just doesn't want kids or whatever. And they ask them, say, Hey, would you mind helping me wish for a baby. You don't have to be the other parent. You don't have to have Those any kind like of financial responsibility. Just donor wish. Yeah. Would you wish for a baby with me because I want a baby? And I don't want to carry one. I can't afford IVF. I can't afford I can't afford to buy sperm. I don't actually want to ever be pregnant, but I want a baby. Or I can't actually get pregnant because I'm a dude and I don't have a womb. <laughs> yeah, the wish ceremony comes back into play where um Maybe one of their friends offers to be the other genetic component, but not to be the other parent. You could also I love the have idea the, of a like, wish ceremony. Yeah, I like the wish ceremony too. But you could also have the, um, like if you had two people who, maybe people, there could have a connection service for people who really wanted a kid. They weren't interested in a relationship. They're more interested in being like single parents, but maybe they have like a shared custody situation um, where they actually literally share custody, like, you know, day on, day off kind of thing. Um, so you have two part-time parents instead of one full-time parent, but they're not in a relationship and they both just wish this child together. Two, two stable, emotionally healthy people who want a kid, but don't want to be in a relationship. Um, now that would actually be a looser universe than the one where you create, where it's about creating a family and having trust and love. Yes. And, um, but it's something that, you know, what when you when you have an idea like this and you have these circumstances that you want to be met, where if you have a character who is who doesn't want to have another parent in their life, um, it's up to you to create the world building that makes sense conceptually for that to happen. One of the stumbling blocks for me when I was creating Ties That Bind was there were circumstances that I were absolutely unwilling to write. Um, and maybe that's why it's unrealistic. I'm not bitter. <laughs> of course, it is fucking unrealistic because it's a fantasy world. That is the fucking point. Whatever, fan lore. Whatever. Anyways, um, th there were things that we're not going to write that would be a natural consequence of a world like this. Um, 
and I skirted the edge of them like abuse, um, non-consensual situations. Uh, I discussed forced collar removal, but I didn't. I didn't overtly discuss forced collar wearing, which would be a form of slavery, um, outright slavery in BDS in, in, um, in the BDSM world. Um, and that's a really ugly power dynamic that I had no interest whatsoever in exploring. So there are gaps, purposeful gaps in my world building and ties that bind because there were issues that I was unwilling to explore. But there were also circumstances in BDSM that I had no interest in exploring, like um, golden showers and scat, scat play or humiliation. I wouldn't write that on a bet. I'm not going to do it. I don't think it's sexy. It makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> all of it, all three of those things. <laughs> Some more than others. <clears throat> and I also avoided writing some deep, um, some extreme, I would say extreme masochism circumstances because people are crazy. And I didn't want to be responsible for some jackass trying to do something to themselves that they had no business trying to do to themselves. You get me? Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want, you never want you somebody... Keep that fire extinguisher under the sink <laughs> that's right you never want people reading your um, um you never want people mis treating your bdsm story as an instruction manual it's like yeah, right frog i don't want to say it out loud but i totally 100 percent agree with what you just said but definitely keep the fire extinguisher put away <laughs> you're not qualified for that kind of activity <laughs> no one is <laughs> apparently except for that one guy Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah, there are elements um, in any world building that I would avoid. Um, I don't like, as a writer, exploring abusive topics. Unless it's part of the um, external conflict of the story. Right. Like, it's, it's... like in Ties That Bind, you know, Sam Carter was an abusive spouse. Right. But so... you didn't see her abusing him on screen. No, so you mean if if it's like an inciting event or something, you know. But I, I'm I'm the same way. It's like I'm gonna brush most of it, as much of it off screen as possible because I don't want to um, delve into that kind of thing on screen. I would also think that not only would health class be a core subject in high school, so would psychology, and so would a class like social ethics. Yeah. And that's subject. That's circumstances that didn't come up in ties that bind that just make sense. Logical consequences for the world building that's already there. Um, so when you're creating a world where wish babies exist, you need to ex you need to figure out what your consequences are, and who can so, create a wish baby. Even if you never explain where wish babies come from, it would be good for you to know, like some to, for you to have some concept of where they're coming from. So let's invert the dynamic on the wish babies. Okay. What if wish babies are not about who wishes, about people wishing for them? What if it's about magic wishing for them and finding the most suitable parent? Like there's parents out there who want kids or whatever, and magic wants to bring this soul into the universe for whatever reason. And this baby is about to happen and magic is going to go. So let's say magic is wishing. Magic is the one who's wishing this child into existence um, and goes and finds a suitable parent for this kid. So that's more of a magic is bestowed on you guardianship of its child. So that's a that's a responsibility. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. Here's 
here's my baby. Don't fuck up. There'd be a whole lot of like scrutiny. I think at people who Samuel are... Jackson eyes coming at you. Don't fuck up. Right. <laughs> I but can you imagine if something like Buck, you know, <clears throat> single single man, all of a sudden gets one of Magic's babies? And... I'm immediately charmed. When are you going to write it? <laughs> <laughs> and people be saying things like, "Why you? Excuse you, fucker? Why not me? See, this is what I would write, Buck." At his confident best. Because he right. has been giving a gift from Magic herself. Magic herself has decided that not only is he awesome and amazing. But he, she has given him one of her children to raise. Keep that motherfucker. You can't even talk to me. But you can talk I'm to so my hand. I'm so far out of your league. <laughs> <laughs> but you can talk to my hand. Buck, Buck's sole reaction could be like, oh, I guess I'm getting a bigger apartment. <laughs> so, in that universe, would the children be biologically related to the people that gets them? So, would his baby look like him? Have cute little curly blondes? <laughs> That's what I'm yeah, asking, basically. <laughs> I, I would think that in this case, like, um, like maybe all of the magic... Um, I mean, you could do something like magic... Magic herself has like a core um, male and female genetic presence of, after a fashion, and that whoever she chooses to drop this kid on, um, it's half her and half, or half him and half the other parent. You could do something like that where when they've, when, once they got to the age of genetics, when they tested, you know, the magic babies, that they're all half siblings. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So, would these magic babies be magical or just be babies? Well, it would depend upon whether or not you wanted to have magic in your world. I mean, if you wanted to have magic in your world, then you could, if you want to do magical realism, then you could have them be magic. But if you just wanted them to be, if you didn't want to deal with that, you could just have them be, I mean, the wish babies is a form of magical realism. Right. But it could, you could just have it be a kid. Okay, you could, there's two principles there. Is like, do you want magic over your world or in your world? Because over your world, they would just be just normal kids um, produced by magic. But if you want magic in your world, then these kids themselves would have gifts of some kind. There wouldn't be so many of them that it would be a burden for them to not marry each other. Because no, I mean, if they're all half siblings, they would not be able to marry one another. And I would imagine if that was a circumstance that they would know each other on site. I yeah, don't I know their so. name, but okay, okay, that's my brother or that's right. my sister. And it could be a thing that occasionally you run across one of your brother's sisters and there's a sense of knowing that's a, that's one of my siblings. But I would think it would be uh, such a rare circumstance. It, it not not like so rare there's only one in the entire city of LA, but it's such an un, it's an uncommon enough circumstance that your dating pool is not going to be limited by the fact that you can't but I think Buckle to avoid any baby. kind of incestual situation, you would want them to recognize recognize each other on sight. Um, yeah. Even if they don't know each other's names. But it'd be kind of fun if they did. You know how like Hobbit babies come up out of the ground like, oh, my name is Belladonna. Well, it would be really fun if Wish Babies, if they are all related, um, that when they come across one, they automatically know their name. Oh, hello. Hello, Evan. And then the head tilt. Do you go by Buck now? <laughs> <laughs> There's something beautiful in that. They're, they're, they would have family all over the world. Yeah. So it's just a, it kind of inverting the idea of like 
parents wishing for kids. It's more like magic is wishing the kid into existence and finding a parent, a kid, somebody who's suitable, who, who would like a family. Um, yeah, you could either figure out for yourself if what's magic, if, if magic has a purpose behind these children or not. Depending on like the length of the projects that you're working on, um, how deeply you want to delve into that world building. If two toddlers running to each, running toward each other, screaming happily that they found that they're they found a brother or a sister, I don't think their parents would be thinking, "What the hell?" I think that it would be just so that it would be kind of like a commonplace knowledge that they know each other, and if they know their baby is a wish baby and their toddler is screaming happily at another toddler, obviously that toddler must be a wish baby too. And they could just go, "Hello, fellow wish parent." You know, it's a th it'd be like a brotherhood or a sisterhood of 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 these parents who have been gifted with these kids. And you could even, if you wanted to remove the idea of these people being surprised with babies, there could even be like a dream kind of thing that happens that maybe they don't really remember well, where magic communicates with them. Would you take one of my children kind of thing? And they're like, yeah, but sure. I'd love that. Speaking of two toddlers really excited to see each other. I watched a video of two toddlers who are two, two little kids like under the age of five who hadn't seen each other because of the panorama and got to see each other. And they were both so happy and screaming and excited that I cried. <laughs> Dude, you need to share the, the emotional. I saw it. I'm, I'm not sure if, sure if it was on YouTube or what. The emotional catharsis videos need to be shared. Yes. <laughs> that, that's it. Oh my gosh. Reaper, Reaper you are a rock star. For those of you on the podcast um, later, like the recording, and you want to um, listen to this or watch this video on YouTube, it's called Toddler Bestie, Bestie Share Hug. And it's on the Inside Edition uh, YouTube channel. I mean, honestly, it's just the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so maybe that's not the one I was thinking of, because the one I was thinking of specifically, they hadn't seen each other because of the pandemic. So that could be a different video. But that video is fucking adorable too. There's something really awesome about two little kids being excited to see each other. Yeah. Maybe I saw it on, I don't think I was on Facebook. But one of the kids is screaming the other one's name. It's a very cute thing. But that would be really cute if Wish Babies they were all related that they recognized each other. And that would be a good way of of making sure that they didn't accidentally date each other. If you do that in your world building. To kind of have them know each other on site. So if Magic makes a baby. And decides Evan Buckley is going to be that baby's parent. Did Magic ask Buck in advance? Or <laughs> did Magic just say, hey, hey Buckley, heads up? Well, it could be that Magic asked Buck in like in a dream. Um, which is that thing I was saying. That it could be if you want to remove like the potential consent issue about that you could have like a dream where magic because i mean i would imagine it's easier for magic to communicate with somebody when they're sleeping and says i'm gonna have um there's i have a child coming would you be its father and buck's like yeah sure <laughs> and you know maybe he doesn't even think anything about it or he wakes up and thinks it really was just a dream and then that day he's baby pops in he goes down to get sharp sharp breakfast and there's a bassinet <laughs> At the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> oh. It's like, oh, not a dream. <laughs> well, his phone says, hey, Bobby, I'm gonna, I need paternity leave. <laughs> Bobby's the like, whole... what? <laughs> what? Bobby's like, what did you do? 
Well, Magic had something to say to me last night. I had a dream about Magic. She asked me if I wanted a baby, and now there's a baby in front of me. I'm on my way. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be right there, Buck. It's okay. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, you know, Lucid Dreams. I'm actually of the opinion that if a magical entity wanted to have a lucid dream with your ass, they would have a lucid dream with your ass. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be that difficult. I mean, if a, if this is a being that can create a child, it can certainly create a circumstance in your in your mind where you are lucid and irrational. A very unique sort of dream. And probably something that she would require um, just for consent. Yeah. I mean, you could do something as simple as these wish bait, these magical babies often do amazing things in the world. They're, they, they're not the only people who do amazing things, but they all do. And then she picks, she picks parents um, in very different, very in varied ways. Like maybe, maybe one is, you know, focuses on world hunger or another one is a researcher and another one does, you know, just, just, just a variety of different things. Um, maybe some, you know, one is a child psychologist or, you know, they, they, they focus on things that um, help the world and move it forward. And um, maybe that one of the criteria she looks for in parents is parents who aren't going to push them, allow them to come into their potential on their own through support and love rather than pressure to be one of Magic's children. You so have earlier you have... That, pe- that people who have wish babies would be celebrities. I would not want to write it that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I see why that would be an overt consequence of wish babies in our society. Like if wish babies just started happening now to us, the people who got them would be automatically skyrocketed into the, 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 the public eye. But if this is a circumstance that's always happened, while it's rare, it would be commonplace. In that being told that, oh, you know, so-and-so got a baby last night. Had a dream, woke up with a baby. That's so nice. Really. What did they name her? (laughs) Him, her, whatever. (laughs) You know, so it wouldn't be like, Buck gets a baby and the entire press corps shows up in his apartment. (laughs) Because that would be really deeply uncomfortable to me. So I wouldn't want to put my character in that situation. I hate it when I go to the grocery store and I look over the security camera and see myself on it. Does that make anybody else uncomfortable or is it just me? I don't like it either. I'm with you. I feel better. (laughs) My physical therapist was making me do squats. The heifer. And she said, do you want to go sit in the mirror and watch yourself do squats? And I'm like, no. Who does? Who does that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is not good behavior, Frog. <laughs> I bet you look suspicious as fuck, the store detectives. <laughs> oh, the self-checkout camera is awful. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, But if you, like, like try to avoid the camera, you look suspicious. <laughs> right? Like, you look shifty, like you're about to do something naughty. Like, like you're being shady. But, um, I, so I would want to write it where it's special but not so special that it creates a celebrity circumstance out of a normal everyday person 
Does that make sense? There could actually, yeah. And as but as the digital age has come into being, there could actually start to have been laws to put into protect place to protect the protect the parents <laughs> and the kids of um, like the first time somebody publicly exposed. Um, they could actually have been like people started putting laws in place saying you cannot literally deliberately go out and expose um, a wish family like that. That it's just it's just not cricket. Honestly, if I think the first time that happened and it created a dangerous situation for the baby in question, that Magic herself or himself, whatever, would let it be known that that bullshit is not to happen again. Yeah. Sorry. Added to a Tums. I'm getting acid. I'm an old lady. This is what happens. Acid reflux. Bad knees. Arthritis in my shoulder. Though my physical therapist said I didn't look a day over 35. She's about 22. I mean, I'm not mad. I would prefer to look 35 than 47, but... I'll take it. Thank you. I don't look my age. Um, and that's strictly genetics. And not getting out in the sun. Because I don't tan. I turn a beautiful shade of lobster red. And then I peel. So I just don't get out in the sun. So I don't have a lot of sun damage as a result. And um, I have Native American genetics. so And that helps a lot. Oh, you know, honestly, Reaper, I see that. Someone trying to confiscate a baby. Maybe from the first time, like a single parent. Or, I mean, not first time. Obviously, if this has been happening for ages and ages and ages. You know. But, like, I can see someone trying to confiscate a baby. Especially if the babies have magical gifts. What do you mean, confiscate a baby? Like, if the, like somebody has a wish baby. Like, say a single father has a wish baby. I would think that it only tried to happen once. But someone might get it in their head. You know what? I think we, this person isn't qualified to be this, this, this child's parent. So we should go get it. And I don't think it would happen more than once. You know? Because I personally... And I, in this situation, I would see kind of magic as a cosmic entity. I would not want to piss off a cosmic entity entity personally yeah i wouldn't either so but you know but you could also if you're writing in the mc you could you could actually do like a, a cosmic entity being responsible for for wish babies probably eternity i would say and that's who i'd pick um <laughs> well the infinity stones were created by the cosmic entities in the mcu yeah um so but i would probably pick eternity for the um, for the mechanism, if I if I was going to do an MCU one, which I wouldn't, uh, honestly, um, no, you can't buy a baby. Don't be rude. Oh. And obviously, they'd be sold at Baby Gap <laughs> 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 or on Etsy because she made that shit. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot wrong with the original MCU, but if you insert wish babies into the dawn of time in the MCU, you create a different circumstance. You create an Earth that is watched over explicitly by a cosmic entity. So, there would obviously be big, some big giant ass ripples. And you could decide which elements of canon you'd want to keep and which ones you'd want to ditch. What's Jarvis's first name? The actual Edwin? Jarvis? Edwin. Edwin? Because what if the cosmic entity gave Jarvis back to him? What do you mean? In the form of a baby. Oh, so you did a reincarnation thing? No, I don't mean Edwin. I mean Jarvis, the computer program, the AI. What if oh. after the age of Ultron, say Eternity gives Jar Jarvis back to him? Huh. Well, she'd tell him. I don't think she'd just drop a baby off in, at 
his doorstep because he's Tony Stark. He'd call child services. But like, <laughs> what if she just shows up with the baby and tells him she's sorry for the loss he suffered and she gathered all the pieces and this is your son and she hands him Jarvis. So, you know, there's lots of ways you could insert a wish baby into the MCU. Yeah. I think that's adorable. Yes. Some heifer made me cry earlier about returning Jarvis to, to Tony. Who was it? Oh, well, who, who was that heifer? Oh, I, oh what was, was her name? It was, it was you. It was you, Jillian. That was gorgeous, by the way. I was, I was, I cried. I, I just, my nose has been sucked up all day. I shouldn't have gone over there and read your shit. I know better. What's your theory, frog? I have a theory, too. I'm going to say my theory in our private chat before Frog responds, so you can tell me. Okay. Okay, so Frog says that Jarvis was restored by the creation stone. Between, you're between the two oh, of wait, you. Wait, I was wrong. Between the two what of Frog you. Said. Uh, what did Frog say? Uh, the time stone. Um, if any, this, this would only make sense to somebody who's seen... If you had seen... Um, Doctor Strange, you'd understand what happened, what, how Jarvis okay. was restored. Okay, I have not seen Doctor Strange, so. For those of okay. you who have seen Doctor Strange, think of the apple. Don't make me watch Doctor Strange and figure this out. What's wrong with you? There's a, there's a scene where, where Doctor Strange accidentally learns how to use the Eye of Agamotto. And he had been eating an apple, and he is holding the Eye of Agamotto. And he accidentally, he learns how to, using a spell, to rewind time and fast forward time just on the apple. And the apple decays, and then the apple is restored to what its pre-eaten condition was. It affected nothing else but the apple. So she did that to Jarvis. She did that to Jarvis's server. Oh. She used the time stone to restore that server to its pre, to the state before Ultron got to it. Okay, because my go-to theory when I read it was that she time traveled and took a copy of Jarvis and then brought it forward in time. Which Friday would have been able to, but what Friday saw on Friday wouldn't have been able to understand it was the use of the time stone. And that all of a sudden Jarvis was back on his server and her server function. That's why Jarvis doesn't have any memories of what happened after a certain point. It's because she rewound time just on his server until that moment before Ultron. I rage quit the MCU for obvious reasons. I had a stress nosebleed in the theater when I watched Endgame. <laughs> oh, thank you, Senna. Um, yeah, so if, if you've seen Doctor Strange, I think uh, probably uh, anybody who's seen Doctor Strange might have understood what she did, but it, it might have been a little obtuse. But there was that moment when he had the Eye of Agamotto and he, he used it to just change time on just that one thing and that was my inspiration for how she fixed Jarvis well because if she's time traveling she could have gone back in time picked server picked up a server created a copy of Jarvis and then come forward in time and no one would have known any different yeah yeah so it wouldn't like she'd have been snagging a USB drive or anything yeah, she could have gone back and gotten a copy of him but um, I decided to use the it's what very we cool. saw in Dr. It's what we saw cool. in Doctor Strange was she actually just used the Eye of Agamotto, which is the Time Stone, to just rewind time on his server to take him back to his state before Ultron consumed him. So Jarvis is an apple. Okay. Yeah. 
so Friday witnessed her using the time stone, um, using the eye of Agamotto. But Friday doesn't really understand what happened. She just knows that Jarvis is is back, and that Jarvis has no memories after a specific moment in time. Mm. I have a theory about Buck's mom. I'm more than willing to share. Go it for applies it. to every fic. She's a cunt. No, that too. <laughs> so I. Th- I, I don't mind sharing what happened with Buck's mom. And I mean, I, I think I kind of dropped the hints about it. She um, messed with Buck, Buck's magic because Buck is naturally magical. He's not coming into it in Believer. He's naturally magical. He didn't come into his magic the way. When you said that his magic had been bound, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. So she's the one who interfered. So she already knew about magic and she interfered with his magic. And the the price that she's paying um for her interference with his magic is what's happening to her. So she's basically been driven insane. Um, it, part of that's her own denial. Um, but the other is that her, her mental instability is because her magic is being stripped from her because her magic was fueling the binding on, on Buck. And so her magic is being stripped from her and it's driving her dark. You are currently my sister from another mister. Because I'm not over that book published in 2007 either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, Dark. Yeah, I, honestly, if I ever do go back and reread the Harry Potter books, I will only read the first four. I had a really hard time with Order of the Phoenix. Really hard time. For several reasons. That was actually, what I think is the Order of the Phoenix was my introduction to Harry Potter. Oh, I had to go back and read. I had to go back and read. And I've got a little sister who's under 10 when that book comes out. She wanted me to read it to her at night. And I'm reading her The Order of the Phoenix. We don't get very far in it before I... I'm like, is this a children's book? Right? I think she was nine. Right? And I was like, what the fuck? Well, no, it's not a children's book. It's a young adult book. Um, so honestly, it was a little over. <laughs> but th- that's the thing about Harry Potter is that they they marketed it to small children. And th- that... Even the first book has so many dark themes in it. There's no way I would have let a little kid in my life read it if I'd known. Yeah, it's 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 not. I mean, I agree that the book is. I'm sorry, the book is Shadow. Too long, and there are parts to me that. But the first book is when the series took a really dark turn. You know that part where Voldemort murdered Harry's mother in front of him, and then tried to murder him. That and then part. he's abandoned on the doorstep in a in no, November. In November, which is actually where the story starts. <laughs> the story starts with his abandonment. Like that's the dark. That that's where the dark starts. But no, I I agree. This the story went off the rails and in the not suitable for any child, not including young adults. Um, in book five, I was like, because I was like, I went to my parents and I was like, should she be reading this? <laughs> right and read. I looked it up once. And the night that Harry Potter was dropped on that doorstep in Surrey, it was under 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Actually, he would have been left on the doorstep on November 1st, not October, because he was with Dumbledore for a full day. So he was not left on the doorstep on the night of October 31st, because remember, Minerva was watching the Dursleys for a day. Yeah. So he, he was left. November he wasn't 1st. Left, he was left on the on the night of the November 1st and picked up on the on. Um, the next morning so so yeah it was under 40 degrees fahrenheit in um in surrey england that night and that's what happened when you don't do your research because there is no way that injured child 
Except they don't mention a warming charm or a ward or a protection bubble. And the fact of the matter is that Harry Potter was walking. Oh, for sure. When I he was, was dropped on that doorstep. I mean, we have pictures of him. We have, we have, there's images of him um, in his photo that July riding a broom, a little kid's broom. Yeah. And so he's walking by the time Dumbledore drops him on that doorstep. He could have gotten up and walked away. I've seen fanfic where he did. I've read one fanfic where he got up, walked away, walked into the forest and got got adopted by some magical species in the forest in Surrey. Not a bad idea. It was on fanfiction.net. I read it sometime between yeah, good luck finding that story. Good luck in finding that story amongst the million stories in Harry Potter on fanfiction.net. Um, I don't remember the author. I don't remember the title. I don't remember who adopted him. All I know is he got up off the doorstep and um, walked somebody away. Mentioned, somebody mentioned something about MC movies. Like, I actually really enjoyed Black Panther and Doctor Strange. And to, in my opinion, both can be watched independently of the rest of the franchise there's really no connection I mean, outside of a couple little things to the rest of this franchise and even if you don't watch the rest of the series i still would recommend thor ragnarok i mean there's some stuff at the beginning that ties it into the rest of the mcu but other than why thor is doing what he's doing it really kind of does stand alone and i think that's three of the better it, movies of the it series is the great, the best one of the Thor movies. Uh, unfortunately, they ruined all of his progress in Endgame. Yeah, I agree. And not so much his progress. Um, well, they, yeah, at the very end of Endgame, they did. Yeah, they did. But in some ways, his depression before that was part of the issue, and nobody taking it at all seriously. Um, there is a little bit of an overlap between Civil War and Black Panther, but it's actually so um, it, it's pretty minimal in the sense that it's it's uh visible in the after in the mid credit scene, I think, which is the presence of Bucky. But otherwise, you almost wouldn't know that it was the same Black Panther who had anything to do with Civil War. So, um, so there are some overlap. I enjoy Black you... Panther. I even enjoyed Captain Marvel. I do think Captain Marvel's placement in the timeline was a dumb idea. This, yeah, I agree. It is a setup for the coronation frog, but I mean, you can watch it without watching Civil War because I watched it without watching Civil War, um, because I at that point had refused to see. So now I've seen about a third of Civil War at this point and read the synopsis of the rest of it. But um, yeah, the the fat shaming in Endgame is appalling. Yeah, Endgame. They took what was Endgame was such a disappointment because Infinity War was really setting us up for something. And then Endgame, just like, I feel like it was just a punch in the throat. Not to mention what they did with Hulk. Oh, what they did with Hulk, I can't even. I can't even. Because but, they murdered uh, Hulk. Yeah. And and basic, yeah, yeah. And in a way, murdered Banner, too. Because I don't believe for a second that his personality was unaffected by that merger. So it just, it was, no. It's gross. Deeply 100% gross. Let's go back to Wish Babies, because that's cute and not depressing. <laughs> um, I really want to write a wish baby ceremony now. I think you should. You've got a blank space that you haven't done anything with. <laughs> but I want that to be a holy shit, we got a wish baby. <laughs> yeah, at the party. Yeah. Yeah, we've been so obliviously in love since we met. Look what we did. Oh, look at that. And Christopher could be like, I got a sibling. And dad and Buck are getting together. And everyone's like. 
And Christopher's just partying and everybody else is sort of frozen in shock. I mean, part of it would be a little bittersweet. The idea, because Buck, Buck assumes that it's for Ken and Karen. Uh, yeah, or he might I think even... that probably Ken and Karen would think the same. Yeah. Until that white baby. <laughs> they could, there could be a moment like, would we get a white baby? <laughs> I don't think so. Buck might even briefly wonder if it's going to be for Eddie and Anna. And he could be like, did Eddie, Eddie not tell me how close they were getting? I wish I can't believe he I mean, wouldn't have told even me. Even Anna might think it's for them. Yeah. She might think they're there, but Eddie isn't there. And then here's this baby. Probably, I want to give the baby Buck's curly hair. Oh, absolutely. Blonde curls everywhere. And Blonde like, curls everywhere and bright, like, whiskey brown eyes. Yeah. Little girl, and everybody's like, Well, whose baby is that? <laughs> it looks just like Buck. <laughs> I want it to be Taylor. No, I would not give her a birthmark. I think, I mean, that's like the temptation, right? But the birthmarks don't work that way. Also, that birthmark of Buck's looks vascular to me, and those are mm. very, uh, not, yeah, it, it, those are very fussy about where they appear. So, but I would like, I think it'd be really funny if Taylor is the one to be like, you know, because Buck said this to her, looks like Buck and Eddie's baby. <laughs> yeah, but Buck and um, that is one cute little girl, blonde hair, brown eyes. She's a little older than a wish baby, but very cute. That's just about perfect. But um, Buck, remember Buck said he didn't want to be chasing after anybody anymore. Um, when she came back to. I don't know if you saw that scene. I did. Well, I've seen that scene on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. She comes, but she comes back to she goes, and she says, "You didn't come after me." And he goes, "I didn't want to be. I'm tired of chasing people, or something like that." She said, "Well, when you said you were tired of chasing people, this isn't what I thought you meant. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had already found you." <laughs> and Buck's like, "I didn't know. <laughs> I thought he was oblivious." I, actually, it'd be, you know, honestly, he just turned to him say. <sighs> You're so dumb. <laughs> just walk out. Because he's smart, but he's also dumb. <laughs> dumb in a man way. <laughs> just like... <sighs> they're both dumb bastards when it comes to oh, what's actually going it. on. Because they've made a family. He's co-parenting Christopher for over a year and no one says anything. Prongs Tatum by Silver Fox. Maybe. Maybe. But... Honestly, I've been around a lot of smart people who are emotionally dumb. It's very frustrating. It's a very frustrating circumstance. My husband is smart, but emotionally... It's like trying to get blood out of a turnip sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, I don't believe in hitting, but you need your ass whooped. <laughs> I told him that last week. I said, you need your ass whooped. And he was like, come on, country girl. So somebody just this is a little <laughs> tangent about tangent about a little okay, bit. Somebody recommended a story called "Coming Soon to a Theater Near You." Did you read that? It was wrecked last night, I think. No, it was wrecked not. this morning. I read it while I was waiting for like an hour and a half for my endoscopy to start this morning. But anyway, um, an hour and a half just to get started, just to get called back. I was like, wait, 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 wait. But anyway, um, the premise is that. Buck and Eddie 
you know, do a rope rescue to rescue a, a, a movie director who is so inspired by their awesomeness that he wants to, um, he decides to write, write a movie based about the LAFD, right? And so he bases all the characters in the movie on um, the members of the 118. And um, he misinterprets Buck and Eddie's dynamic as them being together. <laughs> And so they, he invites them down to watch some of the filming and like the Buck and Eddie characters in the show who are named something else entirely are like full on making out after they have a close call at a scene and Buck and Eddie are like, we're not together. <laughs> it's awesome. It's honestly awesome. <laughs> Wait, Although I have, It'd be really funny if his is white, you're not. <laughs> No, actually, the funny thing, the, the producer completely misunderstands them trying to, to explain to him. So I won't spoil how the producer reacts, the director reacts, but when they, because he's a producer and director, but when they're trying to explain they're not together, he's like, oh, I get it, you're partners. But his whole, his whole, <laughs> his whole dialogue is just hysterical. But, um, I also think that there's also this very funny moment. It's in the very first line of the story. I just have to throw this out there. Is the director has the the author has this director drive flying down the road right before the accident, listening to '80s hard rock is the way it's described, and then they link to the song that he's listening to, and it's a song by Kenny Loggins. And I laughed my ass off at the concept <laughs> of anything by Kenny Loggins being '80s hard rock, which means this person was probably born after. The 80s. You and I yeah. got out of high school. Yes, for sure. So I was like, no. <laughs> no. That reminds me of that time I was on Napster, the, the, the legal version, and I was strolling through 70s hard rock or 70s rock, and right smack dab in the middle of a fucking um, play so playlist for 70s rock was a Donna Summer song, and I'm like, dude, you got your people mixed up. Because Donna Summer is not rock. Like, what? no, no. <laughs> Fucking I mean, I was making playlists. What's wrong with you? I listened to 80s hard rock, and I promise you there was no Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins <laughs> anywhere on it. I mean, probably the most rock song he ever did was Danger Zone. And that's the one that's linked, actually. But that's not hard rock. No, it's barely rock, as a matter of fact. And that's the most one. Out of all of them. Yeah. I mean, when I think of the hard rock bands of uh, the 80s, I think of like ACDC. I think of... Um, Death Leopard. Death Leopard kind of edged. They kind of got more rock and even a little poppy when they got to some stuff. But definitely mm -hmm. Death Leopard for a while there was certainly... They had some, definitely had some stuff. Um, Twisted Sister, Quiet Riot, uh, Queensryche, Kiss, Kiss um, Scorpions, White Snake. Um... I mean, I listened to those, but I was more of a of a pop rock kind of girl. I preferred, you know, Duran Duran, um, Kitty Loggins. <laughs> yeah, Metallica. Thank you, Elle. Um, Skid Row. Although Meta yeah. Metallica is actually, I would definitely edging more towards, definitely what I'd say, he heavy metal more so than hard rock. So, but, but definitely, I think that album, the Black Album, which was their big crossover album, um, straddled the line between rock and heavy metal. Of course, when I was eight or nine years old, like which would have been, you know mid 80s my prized possession was a john cooker mellencamp um, album so <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> that was your prized possession huh yeah yeah for a whole year i think the first album i ever owned was a hall and oats album so you know whatever now 
those of you who are not in this age group are not going to get this. But those of you who are my age will. Y'all remember when you got your first Madonna album? And yeah. you realized that she was white? Because I didn't think she was white until I got my first album. Because <laughs> I wasn't allowed. Uh, we didn't have cable. So we didn't watch you know videos or anything. So the first time I saw Madonna's picture, it was on the like a it was like a virgin album, right? And I was like, are you sure this is the real Madonna? And so I was telling my husband this, and he was like, you aren't the only one. He did, He said he didn't know a single person in his life who thought Madonna was white. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with Lady Holder. I thought Taylor Dane was, I was shocked that she was a white lady. Um, but I wasn't about Madonna. I don't, I don't know why. But Taylor Dane did really embrace that kind of bluesy R&B um, vibe that black singers were really digging into in the 80s and 90s. So it's not a surprise that people would have thought she was, you know, African-American. Yeah. I am. Um, but in terms of Hall of Notes, I still, one of my favorite sl slow songs is still Sarah Smile. So uh, I mean, that song has been with me since I was a kid, you know, it's one of my favorites. I love the Bee Gees. My favorite Bee Gees song is Heartbreaker. Um. <clears throat> Night, Bri. But anyway, let's wrap up the Wish Babies because uh, since we're if we're off on musicians, I think we've yeah pe petered out. I like the idea of the Wish ceremony. Um, I like that a lot. I, yeah, it's, I, it's just it's beautiful, right? It's it's I like the idea of it a lot. Um, I like the idea of it on Atlantis. I'm still confused about Rick Astley Hale. I mean, sorry. Um, uh, anyways, um, I love the idea of the um, wish baby ceremony being between John and Rodney on Atlantis and it being like something that they introduced to the natives. What if Pegasus. they had their own versions of it, but they just stopped doing it because they didn't want to bring wish children into the, the risk of being culled. Um, and then once they started beating back the wraith, because you could write it that way, um, they adopted um, the ceremonies that were, because maybe those ceremonies were lost to time. And so John and Rodney taught them the ceremonies that they use. I, yeah. I, I think it'd be cool. really fun. I'm going to, yeah, I am to, I am this minute year old. The, what? When I found that out. Hale. Um, although I don't think he's entirely Caucasian. White. Is Caucasian awful? I feel like it's awful. Um, I read something about it that basically it's a more racist term than white. Yes. As awful as the color system okay. is. that um, Apparently Caucasian is awful. Which I did not know until I read this thing. But I've also read the reverse. Some, so some people really prefer. Well, it's uh, a white supremacist thing, right? White superiority, yes, Caucasian. basically. The, basically, the, the, yes. The mountains yeah um yeah it's awful but the inexplicable wish baby is really appealing yeah which, you know not really knowing where they come from but accepting them and it being commonplace which is the to a point the, but which is the but one yeah. that you were thinking of with uh at the party right that's the inexplicable wish baby right more inexplicable like they have been and everybody knows but yeah, so you can do degrees of inexplicability. So we've covered, so tonight we've got, you know, we've covered various degrees of inexplicability. We've got magic doing the wishing. We've got, um, we've talked about single people wishing. 
And honestly, one of the one of the ways you could handle the single people wishing is that if you're single, magic just supplies the other half of the DNA. Um, maybe from when magic was had a physical body, and that magic knows that DNA imprint. In Mass Effect game, there is a species called Asari, and the Asari reproduce. They're all female, and they reproduce by randomizing genetics from other species. So say they get with a, a human, they randomize the human's genetics to create a genetic code to merge with their own to have a baby. And their baby is an Asari when that baby is born. Asari only have Asari. But they use the genetics of other people and other species um, and really their own because that causes serious problems um, to, cr to, to create children. So it could be that if you're if you want to explore the, the idea of a single person having a wish baby, that magic uses either their DNA or the DNA or just like a random t human template DNA and just randomizes that code to create something basically unique to create the baby with. Yeah. So you could find a way to do it so that people who are single or who are um who don't want to be in a relationship for whatever reason, because they're ace or because they're um, just because they don't want to be with a partner. Because people are messy and awful yeah. and get in your space and take your things and eat your food. And joint, <laughs> and joint checking accounts are a nightmare. Um, so you could, you could do, you could do that, that magic somehow provides the DNA so that you don't have to worry about it. Um, so we've talked about magic finding wanting babies we've talked about inexplicable completely inexplicable wish babies people are more structured people wishing for them and then we talked about displaced babies um we've covered a lot of ground and with the displacement it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a baby it can be you know a well into not an adult teenager just you know depending yeah. on the circumstances so it gives you a lot of room to explore character circumstances whether you're giving your character a baby or whether you're giving your character a different childhood now if i wrote the buckley siblings becoming the children of thomas and mitchell mitchell um i wouldn't write them as kids i would write them as adults doing their thing you know right and cover cover the the backstory in the you know people find out that they were displaced babies and that they appeared when the minute buck was born or in that case evan because he wouldn't have ever been a buck potentially and well actually i was just thinking about that because how would i keep him a buck because i do want to kind of you know because often i really don't like renaming characters unless there's a specific reason that i want to explore you know what I mean? So the idea of taking his name away from him is kind of weird. But what if the reason that Thomas and Mitchell are a really good match for one of them is a really good match for Daniel, as far as a transplant goes, is that one of them is a Buckley. Oh, that's an interesting idea. And that maybe he's just a distant cousin, maybe even a second or a third cousin, but he's still a Buckley. So they are Buckleys. Um, and that, you know, well, Buck could still pick up the name Buck at the Academy, just like he did in canon. Um, that it's just a nickname, but he wouldn't, I don't think, I don't think he would be as militant about being called Buck as he is in canon. So mm. it could be something all the firefighters call him, but his siblings absolutely wouldn't. So Thomas is the one that he connected with and spoke with. So yeah, I'd probably make him the Buckley. Um, would he still have the name Evan? I think so, yes. 
Because again, well, I would it, not want to just change his name arbitrarily. Um, it's my headcanon that, um, which, which is what I wrote in the So Far series. I think the parents were so so emotionally detached from Buck that they let Daniel and Maddie pick his name. And that's how he got his name. Was so Daniel, Daniel and Maddie can pick his name again. Again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really good, that makes a lot of sense. But that way they keep the name and it, it it's just, again, I don't really like renaming characters without a really, really good reason. And there are ways to shift this in this particular verse. Cause I do think that if children are being displaced, that, that magic might be more likely to place them with a relative or a distant relative, if it's possible. Mm -hmm. And in Daniel's case, it would practically be necessary if magic wants him to live. Yeah. So the idea of Thomas being a Buckley, you know, and that, you know, Mitchell taking his name. So they are Thomas and Mitchell Buckley. Um, it's just really appealing. Yeah, it is. Because that builds in a donor that was unexpected. Um, it, it lets them have their last name. It makes it easier for Maddie and Daniel, who have been displaced. Um, and you probably have decent memories of their parents. Is this my headcanon that they really didn't go off the rails until Daniel got sick and Evan and they had to make and they had to make Evan to fix Daniel. So then they might not even really understand what's going on. Well, if they're second or third cousins, I you know, honestly, I have over a hundred first cousins. I could not name a single second cousin. Maybe one. That's because he was raised by a first cousin. Yeah. So like your second cousins would be the grandchildren of your grandfather's sister right i don't think that's right not the cousin chart your second cousin is no lady holder no my first cousin's kids are still my first cousins your second cousin is your grand aunt or uncle's well, yeah like i said yeah the, the grandfather's siblings children's children uh, grandfather's si grandparents sibling yeah okay great grandparent I could also say great grandparents child so so we've got yeah so grand grandparents siblings grandparents siblings grandchildren yeah yeah grandparents siblings grandchildren that is a difficult difficult yeah my first cousins my first cousins kids are my first cousins once removed but you know that's the same thing they're still first cousins second cousins come from Outer branches. I actually do know some of my when I when I when I look at it that way, I think my grandfather's sister. I think about my grandfather's sister, her Which grandchildren, would be your great aunt. Right. I'm like so. I'm thinking my grandfather's sister. Do I know any of her grandchildren? I absolutely do. So yeah, you. I don't. I honestly could not pick them out of a crowd. But if that crowd was full of my relatives, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> I'm related to all you assholes. <laughs> it's really complicated. <laughs> First cousin twice removed. I just don't think that should exist. Right? Like, just just cousin. These are my cousins. We are related. We don't date. No matter what you hear about the South, I've never dated a cousin. You know, the funny <sighs> thing is we had, we had a, actually, let's end the podcast before I get into that part because nobody okay. wants to hear this recorded for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a confession after we got the podcast. Okay. Um, 
I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us and talking about Wish Babies and, you know, getting all mushy and sad and happy over Wish Babies. There's there's something really charming about KidFic and the idea of, of magic facilitating KidFic makes me super happy. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I do. I really do. Um, so anyways, thank you guys for hanging out and I hope you have an excellent evening and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Where the hell is Chad? There's the, well, it isn't Chad right now, is it? Okay. Because Chad left us. Chad abandoned us. And Craig came back. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>